Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to go uh, right to our guest. It's not his, his first time to be with us. It's his second time, actually. Dr. Wayne Grudem. He's one of my heroes. I had him introduce himself last time, so I'm not going to go through the introduction, except he's got a ton of degrees, Harvard and Cambridge, got a wonderful family. He uh, teaches in Phoenix at a seminary, and he has written some massive books, <laughs> some of the biggest books I've ever read, uh, <laughs> or att- attempted to read, attempted to read, <laughs> by Dr. Wayne Grudem. We've already interviewed him previously on the poverty of nations, but I want I want you to be introduced, which I think is one of his his classics. It's called Politics According to the Bible. It is massive. Dr. Grudem, how many pages is that book? Oh, I don't know, 600. In the vicinity of 600. 60, 6, I see 605, probably 620. Okay, over 600 pages. He's written another book called Christian Ethics. Uh, that, isn't that one about that thick as well? Uh, that one's more like 11 or 1200. 11 or 1200. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I missed that by a long time. Now, Christian Ethics, it sounds like a kind of a boring title. Boy, that book is not. It is, it is superb. It is so engaging. Hold this book up, Politics According to the Bible, right now. Uh, hold it a little higher so they can see a little bit higher. There we go. Politics According to the Bible, Dr. Wayne Grudem. Dr. Grudem, I know we don't have a lot of time with you. You've got a very busy schedule. We're so honored you came on with us. Would you take a moment and just talk to us you know, about the people who say, oh, no, 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 separation of church and state. Now, don't get involved in politics. You've got to be silent on that. That, as a cult falling across America today, anti-scriptural, obviously, talk to us about that. And then we're going to jump into the contents of politics according to the Bible. I talk about several mistakes that people make regarding politics and Christian faith and the Christian faith. Uh, and one is the claim that we should do evangelism and Bible teaching of Christians, but not get involved in influencing government for good. My response is, yes, our primary task is to preach the gospel of Christ and salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But what is the question is, what should people do after they're saved, after they trust in Jesus? Well, the next verse in Ephesians 2, verse 10, gives the answer. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God wants us after we're saved to do good works. Now, the question is, do I love my neighbor as myself? If so, I want my neighbor to have a government that protects him or her against robbery or theft. I want him or her, if I love my neighbor as myself, I want my neighbor to be protected against invasion by foreign forces coming from outside the country or by robbers or murderers coming from within the country. If I love my neighbor as myself, I don't want my neighbor's children to be, my neighbor's little girl to be told by a teacher that she's really a boy and puberty blockers administered without the parent's choice. That's a political issue. If I love my neighbor as myself, 
I don't want biological males competing in women's sports activities and running away with championships that they don't deserve. If I love my neighbor as myself, I want contracts to be enforced and laws to be administered fairly and no one be above the law, and so on and so on. Government has a huge impact on people's lives. So uh, if people say the church shouldn't preach about political issues, I say, well, are you not going to preach on Romans uh, 13 that talks about the role of civil government to punish evil and reward that is what is good? Are you not going to talk about 1 Peter 2 that talks about civil government? Are you not going to preach about the books, of, about the teachings in Proverbs and in the Psalms about righteous and evil rulers? Are you not going to preach about the narratives in the Old Testament that talk about good and evil kings over Israel? There's a lot in Scripture that talks about righteous and good and uh, righteous and good government that reflects God's principles for human conduct. And we should teach those things. So I don't think Christians should ever compel attempt to have government compel religion. That's a mistake that was made in previous centuries. But people eventually realize that genuine faith cannot be compelled. We know that as parents, we can bring our children to church. We can send them to youth group, even send them to a Christian school. But the decision to trust in Jesus as personal Savior is one they must make themselves. They can't, we, we can't force it on them. And if Christians can't, if Christian parents can't force their children to become believers, then surely government power cannot compel genuine religion either. So that's why we wisely, I think, uphold and protect the freedom of religion in the United States, because genuine faith cannot be compelled by force. So um, where am I on this, Jim? Well, this is this is pretty remarkable. This is probably, folks, this is probably the strongest defense, biblically, grounded scriptural defense for being involved governmentally of any single work I've ever seen. 600 and some pages of it. 60 uh, issues. You, you touch on a lot. You want to just, uh, is there more you want to say about the principle of why we ought to be involved? And if not, then we plunge in right to specifically what are the issues you cover uh, in that in that book? By the way, I was with on one occasion, listening to Senator James Langford speak, and he referenced every book in the in the Old Testament, it is written to, about, by, for, or involves government. So I texted him. I said, "Can I quote you on that?" And he uh, he said, "Well, I know thirty-seven of the nine, thirty-nine of the Old Testament books do, uh, for sure." He said, Let me think on that. But then I, I had a guy on my staff. I said, "Go through and find out every book in the Bible." That he refers to government, by government, written for government, or alludes to government in some some way. Yeah, <laughs> all sixty six books do precisely that. Yeah, and I I decided to look and see where in the Bible God God's people influence secular governments, not the government of Israel, but secular governments for good. And it goes all the way back to Genesis forty one, where Joseph was second in command to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And we have uh, Esther influencing King Ahasuerus to save the Jewish people from destruction. We have um, Mordecai, her relative, who was put in command uh, in a high government position 
We have uh, Daniel witnessing to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar about breaking off his sins and practicing righteousness. We have uh, John the Baptist rebuking Herod for all the evil things he had done, not just uh, for the wrongful marriage, but for all the evil things he had done in Gospel of Luke. And we have Paul reasoning with uh, Governor Felix about righteousness and self-control and coming judgment. And the Greek word there means dialogue back and forth about different policies. It means dialogue back and forth, and that would have involved governmental policies. So in Old New Testament, there are instances of God's people influencing secular government for good, and God approving of that and viewing it with approval in the narrative of Scripture. Also, we have church history. Well, can I go on? Yes, by all means. Um in uh, 1912, the Chinese government outlawed the horrible practice of binding women's feet in childhood. Uh, that was under Christian influence. And um, in 1829, under Christian influence, the government of India outlawed the practice of burning widows alive with their dead husbands. That was Christian influence for good. Another example is the slavery issue. In um, England, William Wilberforce started a lonely campaign to outlaw the slave trade and then slavery itself. In 1807, the slave trade was outlawed. In 1833, slavery itself was outlawed in the British Empire, which surrounded the world at that time. It was a huge decision. And that was a Christian influencing government for good. Now, when people say we shouldn't get involved in politics, I say, were, were these the wrong decisions? Those were cultural issues. Those were political issues. Um, we have Martin Luther King, a Baptist pastor, in our own recent memory, uh, who preached from the Bible and said racial segregation and, dis and discrimination was wrong um, and brought about change in our country. So... Um, I think there's a long history of Christians. And what happens is the gospel comes to a culture and individuals are born again. And then it begins to affect their marriage. And it begins to affect their parenting and their families. And families are changed. And then it begins to affect their business practices. Businesses are changed. It begins to affect their educational system. And education is changed. It begins to affect their painting. And you get uh, Rembrandt and uh, other amazing um, painters you get in the musical realm you get Bach and uh, Handel with their incredible musical compositions so the gospel affects one area of society after another after another and transforms society gradually over time and that's happened throughout history and it should be happening again today but it will only happen if Christians are willing to take the whole counsel of God in scripture and apply it to the whole of society, and that certainly includes government and politics. The other thing that happens is that um, God calls different people to different emphases. God calls some people to reform the educational system and the school board in their community. He calls other people to transform the way businesses are conducted. He calls some people to influence uh, football coaching or golf tournaments for, with Christian influence for good. But he calls some people to influence government for good by running for office and serving in office. Um, for example, um, I, I don't think 
I don't think that Mike Pence is going to be the nominee for the Republicans for president. But he was on the debate stage, and he's very forthright, has been very forthright as governor of Indiana and uh, as vice president and now as a candidate. He's been very forthright in his personal belief in Jesus Christ as Savior. And I think God has called him to serve in government. And many others who are born-again Christians serving in government to bring about an influence for good. Now, uh, not everybody's called to do that. But those who aren't called shouldn't criticize those who are. That's a profound statement you're making. It, it intrigues me, Doctor, that, that people don't immediately grasp God. It was God who came up with the idea of government. It's God who establishes nations. Why shouldn't it be immediately apparent that he is so loving, cares for us so deeply, he wants our communities and our nations to be in peace and serenity? Yeah. They, 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 Christians immediately understand the Bible speaks to personal issues. They understand it speaks to family issues. They understand it speaks to church life or congregational life. But I, I would contend, doctor, that 99% of Christians do not realize the Bible speaks forthrightly and explicitly to the issues of governance, civil governance. It's as if they think that God wrote the Bible and they went, wow, I forgot that whole government thing. I should have thought of that. When he's the one who established government and he's the one who establishes the notion of nations. Why is that, that there's this great black hole in the awareness of Christians of God's word specifically responding to the issue of civil governance? A lot of it has to do with attempting to avoid criticism by people who have a different view politically. Uh, but it's true. I, as you were speaking, Jim, I remember I was able to uh, have a conversation with the president of Albania a number of years ago. And uh, the ESV Study Bible had just come out, and I asked him if I could give him a copy of the ESV Study Bible, which I had edited. And... Uh, he said, sure. And I said, Mr. President, could I show you where I think the Bible speaks about you? And he said, yes. And I turned to Romans 13, 4, where it says the civil authority is God's servant for your good. And I said, Mr. President, I think this says that you are God's servant in this office, and he wants you to do good for the people of Albania. And Jim, he was visibly moved by that. But I think that's what the Bible talked about and called him to attempt to do good for the people. It's interesting you refer to that particular country. It kind of touches my heart. My book just came out. My book called Well Versed plays the biblical foundations for uh, 30 political topics just came out in Albanian. And I met with former prime ministers of Albania uh, just quite, quite recently. Let me ask you, uh, in your book, po uh, Politics According to the Bible, extremely profound writing, very thick book, uh, name some of the topics you address in there. Maybe look at your table of contents and, and just start start just reading off the, the, the contents because I want people to understand. They know it talks about abortion and, and marriage. They get that. But when it comes to all the other issues of life, it seems to draw a blank in the minds of most or so many Christians that the, the Bible speaks to the issues of civil governance to these very specific aspects of governmental life. Uh, all right, here are some topics. The courts and the question of ultimate power in a nation. Abortion, euthanasia, capital punishment, self-defense and ownership of guns. On marriage, uh, incest, adultery, homosexuality, polygamy, 
divorce and remarriage, um, pornography, uh, education of children, parents should have the primary responsibility, school voucher systems, discipline of children and spanking, which the government sometimes prohibits, on economics, private property, economic development, the money supply, free markets and regulation, the question of inequality, the rich and the poor, government and business, taxes, social security, health care, recessions, the environment. Um, I'm taking a, a less common view on the environment. Um, I think the Earth's resources are robust and resilient, and I don't think we're going to run out of any resource in the foreseeable future. Energy, energy uses, global warming and carbon fuels. I don't think global warming is anything we need to worry about. And that affects dozens of policies. Yeah. Uh, corporate average fuel economy standards, cafe standards for mileage, and automobiles, um, national defense, biblical teaching, just war, pacifism, defense policy, Islamic jihadism, nuclear weapons, the CIA, coercive interrogation of prisoners, homosexuals in the military, and women in combat. On foreign policy, the United Nations, foreign aid, Israel, immigration. Freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religion, um, gender-based quotas, affirmative action, farm subsidies, tariffs, trial lawyers, medical malpractice, National Education Association and teachers unions, Native Americans, gambling, the problem of media bias. Well, that's the list. That is quite remarkable. Folks, we want to get this book to you. Hold the book up so they can see the thickness of the book. Not just the cover, but I want them to see the thickness. There's the 600 some pages. And that's not his biggest book, but the politics according to the Bible by Dr. Wayne Grudem. Regretfully, we're out of time. I can't tell you how much this means to me to get to be with you and I, the privilege of traveling together a little bit and speaking together. And uh, some of the most fun times uh, where we did, I think the Alliance Defending Freedom brought us to a yeah. like, together, as I recall. But it's a joy to be with you. And uh, we just pray healing of the Holy Spirit over your body physically. May you be touched. Uh, by Jesus of Nazareth, we pray over your body. You've had some health challenges that are pretty tough, and uh, we need you around you for a long time. Thank you, thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Jim. Enjoy to be with you. Blessings on you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.